When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is another beautiful day out there. The summer is still with us despite the fact that some people are trying to kill it off and say, no, 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 uh, we're getting into September, it'll be autumn soon. I'm not going to have that same argument I have every single August, September, which is the summer does actually indeed run into September, regardless of what some of you may think. We've got lots to talk about this morning. John Rensel is here from The Independent. I'll be asking him uh, what he makes of the final days, of course, of uh, Boris Johnson as Prime Minister and what we will wake up to on Monday morning when we have a new Prime Minister. Will it be, as the bookies would suggest to you, uh, that it will be Liz Truss or uh, will Rishi Sunak mount some kind of last-minute campaign. He's been out and about uh, with his suppliers and his supporters today, telling everyone that this time Liz Truss told us how she was going to solve the economic problems of this country. Uh, but of course, he only wants her to do that so that he can say that her plans are absolutely rubbish and his will be much better, because we still don't know what his are either, really, do we? Meanwhile, uh, we're being told that schools might not be able to open because they owe too much money already, uh, and also they can't afford to heat buildings, and they have to leave the windows open because of covid yeah, me neither, I don't know. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the channel. Apparently, The Guardian's got a story saying uh, that the government's paid two and a half million quid to a company to actually bring migrants here from the channel. So, if they've got a policy to stop people coming here, why are they paying some other ferrying company to actually bring them here? Doesn't seem to make an awful lot of um, sense, does it? Uh, we'll also be talking, of course, about what went on in Notting Hill. Uh, somebody was stabbed to death yesterday. Uh, it all de- sort of denigrated into a violent brawl, unfortunately, by the end. Some people could have predicted that, of course, but uh, we couldn't possibly comment. Meanwhile, of course, we'll update you on what's going on with the NHS because Stephen Barclay, the Secretary of State, has now ordered the NHS to do something I've been suggesting for a while, to cut back on consultancies uh, by about 80%. Also, of course, uh, we will be talking about Meghan Markle, not possibly with uh, the esteemed Mr. Rental, but we can't avoid it. I'm going to come up with a new phrase for you, the Meghan Matrix. What does it mean? It means that everything that works in Meghan's world doesn't work in the same way outside of it. She thinks that getting married to Prince Harry was a Nelson Mandela moment. Apparently some bloke who works on the Lion King uh, told her that. Or it could have been a woman. Uh, She hasn't named the person that said it, but apparently they did say it. Sure, they didn't make it up, I promise you. Uh, More oil from the North Sea as well. And plus, we we need to hear from you uh, about the cost of living, because the cost of living is getting more and more expensive, and there's no sign of it going uh, to become any cheaper anytime soon. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's go. (laughs) 
very difficult to work out who's telling the truth in this day and age, I've found. Uh, luckily, John Rental can help us with that. Um, we are, uh, once again, uh, in a terrible place, and uh, I went away on holiday. I think I've seen you since I came back, but it doesn't feel as though we're moving anywhere. It feels, it feels like we're locked it's in this kind of, you know... Stuck. Stuck in the sand, wheels slightly turning, but nobody actually going anywhere, doesn't it? It certainly does. I'm disappointed, though, that you don't want to talk to me about Meghan Markle. I am uh, I'm the self-appointed independence royal correspondent. Well, indeed. I mean, I, certainly I watched that wedding on, on television yes. and I cried. I Did you it feel was... it was a Nelson Mandela moment? It was. I, I, was, I was moved. Were you? I, I was it because Eamon Holmes' commentary was that good? <laughs> can't remember the commentary. <laughs> I mean, but, there's nothing like watching people that you've never seen before at celebrity weddings like David Beckham, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> you know. All I think of these. Tony Blair was there, wasn't Tony he? Blair was probably there as well. Windsor overcome with, uh, you know, tourists. <clears throat> but this is the thing that she forgets to, to mention. You know, all this talk about Britain being this horrible country full of racists and people who hated her because hated she was upsetting the uh, the apple cart. People loved her then. Yes, people they did. People loved the wedding. Loved, loved yes, the idea of, fantastic. of this modern woman coming into the royal family and absolutely she's we were all for it and, and she, she and then ever since then she's uh, she's done her best yeah. to blow it and she never misses an opportunity to to kibosh the royal family at every single stage and this mm. kind of ridiculousness of how i've tried really really hard to fit in but they just wouldn't let me <laughs> and it's like really okay then that's fine right um, you've t- you've tested the but, limits of my but knowledge, anyway, knowledge that's of enough, Meghan Markle that's now. enough about her we'll be talking about her with Duncan Larkin coming up a little bit later on let us instead talk about Liz Truss Rishi Sunak um Sunak's lot apparently saying that uh you know, she should now tell us what her plan is, even though he hasn't told us what his plan is. Well, no, is. he has. He's, he's told us what his plan is. Well, no, he said... Is, which no, is he, to do more of the same. No, yeah, but he's also said that he can't be specific because until he's Prime Minister, he doesn't know what the figures are. And surely, if anyone knows what the figures are, it's him. He was the Chancellor. No, but he set out the general principles, which is, uh, which is, I think, fair enough. I think that's all you can expect at this stage. Whereas Liz Truss hasn't, I mean, which means that the... The, the, the media is just full of speculation about the sorts of things she might do. And, and, and because Treasury civil servants are working on all these options, mm. uh, it, it means that almost anything you write is, is, is likely to be true. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's a funny so old the word. press can speculate to its heart, heart's well, content, it but also, we are none the wiser about what also, she actually plans to do. Well, it can also speculate with the help of her people, you know, who well, exactly, telling because, people things that she's going to do. Well, because all the options are on the table, mm. and therefore any option can be, can be written up. But what's very clear is that something will have to be done because it's no longer any good just to say, you know, we're going to give you some money in the autumn. It could be as much as £66 a month if you're really lucky, you know, because you've got a bill of about £65 million, yeah. you know, and so 66 quid in October isn't really going to help anyone. No, no, she's, go- she's going to have to come up with a, with, with a very substantial package of additional, yeah. uh, additional help. Um, well, but she's already we just... talked. She has talked about suspending the green levies. She has said that. Yes, well, that's true. That's trivial. Um, it, well, it's not that trivial. I well, mean, it, it is take, actually. Mike, it would take twenty-five percent off the, the cost of the, almost every not, bill. Not yes, anymore, because well, no, because actually the green levies are, are falling because the renewables companies have to have to pay back because they're they're making they're making huge profits because they're they're selling their power. At, uh, at the price set yes, by gas. But nevertheless, so, if you look... So the, so the green levies, the green levies is almost, almost irrelevant. No, that's not She's true. Getting... No, not true. I'm not going to let you get away with that. Off-gem, right, as a matter of principle, if you look at their stated aims, their stated aims are to uh, look after the customers and the consumers of energy, laughably, because yeah. they don't do that, to protect them, but also to provide fair 
and green energy, right? Yes, so absolutely. So there is indeed a subsidy for green energy, which will still... Yes, but that subsidy is largely being I'd paid say, back because those those, no, green, those green companies are making are making huge profits at the well, moment. Well, that, that's not uh, the so point. They, so they are, uh, they well, are they might required be by the terms of their yes. contracts to pay their yes, subsidy they might, back, they which might. means that the green levies yeah, have no, gone down. No, they have The green levy is only going to be £11 on, 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 on bills 11, um, over the next three £11 months. Pounds out of what? Uh, on average. On average out of what, though? Well, whatever the average is. I mean, it's going to be... A well, if the average is 2,500 Paul a year. Johnson of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, mm. who's, who's, whose word is, is law on yes. this, uh, wrote a very important article in the, in the Times yesterday setting, setting all this out. Yes, no, well, he, recommend he may, it, recommend well, it he to, may well have done, but, but the point is, is that having looked at anybody's electricity bill right now, and you can see that the standing charge, which is paying for an awful lot of people who have gone bust in this business, right, which we apparently are paying for, at Ofchem's insistence that we pay it quicker rather than slower, which is why one of their... Uh, directors resigned the other week. Yeah, all of the green levies and the subsidies and everything else that they put into it means that at least fifty percent of the of the charge could be removed by the government if well, they wanted to. Well, but I mean, all this is irrelevant because well, the, question, isn't. the question is how much how much more than that is is Liz Truss going to do uh, to cut bills? Well, the and question is has... that people can't afford to pay yes. the bills that they're getting. Right, people's yes. bills and... are going up by over a hundred percent. People cannot afford to pay. It's yes. all very well saying. And the only point I'm making, library, Mike, is that getting rid of the green levies is not enough. Well, it's a start. It's, it's, it's a it's, start. It's you might trivial. as well say there's no point in getting rid of VAT. Restaurant well, owners that I spoke to yesterday said if they get rid of VAT, people will go out more, people will pay more to go to a restaurant because they will find it VAT cheaper. VAT in general? All of it, Absolutely, yes. yes. Not, if, not, if just, you, not well, just on energy. That, that's hugely expensive, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, well, everything is hugely expensive, so why yeah. the hell can't she do it? Because well, because VAT is probably not the best way of doing it because most of the benefit will just be will just be swallowed up by businesses. Um, yeah, but businesses were going to go out of business and, because they can't afford to heat the yeah, business that they so, have and they can't afford yeah, to do the business not, that they need to do. Yes, but that may not be the best way of well, what uh, is the best way businesses. I, I've got no idea. Well, thank you very um, much indeed. Business, uh, I mean, John it'll, Rental, it'll be, uh, Esquire. <laughs> it'll be something. It'll probably be something to do with business rates relief, which is what they did during the, uh, yes. during the pandemic. They'll probably, well, let's, do, let's get they'll probably to, do more of that. Let's get back to basics. Basically, we have a spiralling inflation rate, which could go as high as 18%, maybe even higher than that. For some people, it already is there. Yeah, We've got people who can't afford to heat their homes. We yes. haven't even needed to heat our homes yet because it's still warm enough not to worry about it. We've got people who can't afford to drive their cars. We've got businesses that can't afford to open. I spoke to a restaurant owner yesterday who said he basically now only opens four days a week because it doesn't make any sense to do any more. They're yeah. still suffering from the results of the pandemic where Rishi Sunak wasted all of our money on furlough. So, you know, something's going to have to be done that's pretty drastic. And yes, we can't absolutely. all sit here as like political commentators saying, oh, well, that's not a very good idea. That won't help very many people out. No, you know, that's not the way to go. No, but what I'm saying is that so far, Liz Truss hasn't set out what she is going to do. Uh, I, pres- I assume she's going to have to help people on benefits and pensioners mm. uh, through the benefit system, uh, direct cash payments, uh, just as Rishi Sunak did. Uh, then she's talking about tax cuts, um, which she will nobody, have to make. Nobody knows what form they're going to t- they're going to take. But if she's just going to do a simple reversal of the of the tax rise that's happened under under Rishi Sunak, then all the benefit will well, go, there was more go than to one the better, tax rise. There were fifteen tax rises under him. Well, so no, but she's talked about reversing. She's talked about reversing the national insurance yeah. rise. Now, if she does that in a very straightforward reversal way, if she goes back to this situation as it was before, then all the benefit will will accrue to the better off. Yes, um, but and the that, national insurance that is, rise that is going again, to be no use at all. You can argue this until the cows come home. The national insurance rise 
uh, won't help that many people if no. she takes it away. So there wouldn't Absolutely. be any point in doing that anyway. And no. that really is not the reason why people are paying more tax than they were since the Second World War. It's all of the other taxes they've put up. And it's all of the traps that have been laid. And then the way that, that small businesses, which is still by far and away the biggest business in this business, in this country, yeah. um, have been uh, sort of, you know, hobbled, if you like, yeah. by all the various different taxes on small business and the but, red tape on small business. And the Tory party for the best part of the last 10 years has screwed business. Yes, but her huge problem is that tax cuts are not going to be uh, well enough targeted at the people who need the help uh, the most because the people who need the help the most are going to be the people um, just above the benefit level yes. um, and below below the average. Right. Um, those, those people don't pay much in tax, so tax cuts are not, mm. not going not to help them uh, yes. that much. But I think the, the question big, well, is how, the, the, do you, how do you help them without freezing... Uh, energy prices as as labour well, proposes. They, well, they may have which, to do that as well. But but I mean, well, but, that's, but that's hugely but expensive. Plan, and she's already rejected. Yeah, that well, Labour's plan would cost about sixty billion. The bottom line is, is that the Tories that. the Tories have to do something to not lose the next election because <laughs> if they did, it would be absolutely cataclysmic. You know, having gone from an eighty seat majority to nowhere yeah. uh, in the space of two to three years is extraordinary. I'm going to ask you about this just before we take a break. Opros Politics is a political polling projection graphics and analysis company, right? They put out um, a tweet yesterday with Westminster voting intention. Labour's 39% down four, Conservative 31% up three, Lib Dems even at 11, Greens at seven, um, which effectively meant that somehow the Labour Party having probably witnessed one of the worst pieces of government ever in the last month or so, where there literally is no government, yeah. have somehow managed to lose seven points. <laughs> well, that's just, know, just one poll. It is just um, one poll. I would, I would look at the average. No, like, well, I, where, that's where, why I'm asking you Labour, about Labour actually doing, do, doing reasonably well. But, I mean, actually, at the, at the, at the moment, I don't think the polls... Uh, tell us anything no, very do. useful. But hold, that, because... hold that thought, because we'll come back. Um, we're talking to John Rensel from The Independent. We're trying to find some answers. We're not getting any yet. Maybe you've got some. Uh, in which case, do tell us. 0344-499-1000. This is Talk TV. Mobile app. Available for free now from the App Store and Google Play. Talk Radio and Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the home of common sense. It doesn't always seem like that sometimes, does it? Um, we try to find the truth, but it's not always easy, John. I'm here with John Rensel from The Independent. We're trying to wheedle out sort of what could be done, what can be done. People are pretty desperate, though. I mean, we're sitting here kind of, you know, making fun of it. But it is a real crisis for an awful lot of people. It's a terrible, will, terrible who situation. Who will find themselves, you know, not really being that happy about being told, well, if you're feeling a bit cold, pop down to the local library uh, or there's going to be a warm room set up in a local church. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like going back to Dickensian values or something. Well, it's, it? I, I think it's the worst situation facing an incoming prime minister that uh, yeah. that, that I can think of. Mm. Um, I and can't imagine why anyone would want you, to be prime minister. Well, well exactly. I mean, you suggested that it would actually be a terrible thing if if Liz Truss managed to lose the next election, you know, throw away an 80-seat majority. Mm. I think it would be an astonishing thing if she was able to hold on at the Turn next election. Around. Because, I mean, a, go- a government facing inflation at this at this level, mm. an energy price crisis, which which will still be in full flood, I suspect, by yeah. the time of the next election. I mean, this is going to last for two years yeah. at least. Um, you know, I mean, things might have started to get better by then. But, I mean, 
after what we've been through, I think it'll be very difficult for any government to, yeah. to, to hang on. It will be. And presumably, it will also be very difficult for people to hang on to their jobs as well, because there'll be an awful lot of businesses that, get, that fail, well, businesses that go out of business, just they simply can't afford to operate. I mean, we saw, you probably saw at the weekend, there was a pub somewhere up in the Wirral, I think the Rose and Crown, who showed what their gas bill was going to be, yeah. projected 66,000 a year. Yeah. It's unbelievable. People can't operate like that. No, we're heading straight into in, into quite a sharp recession. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to have Liz Truss say, you know, recession, the recession is not inevitable. Well, what about that? Uh, hope it's, hope just, that it's just bluster. What about and, the weekend where she, where she said um, people should have hope rather than fear? Well, yeah, well, well it's the, I mean, as they famously word, say, that's just words, in, 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 in football, they famously say it's the hope that kills you, <laughs> you know, because you actually don't realise how bad things are. You just keep hoping they're going to get better. And that doesn't really work. But before we forget, we did this yesterday with all of our guests. We're sort of collecting people's views on Boris Johnson because this is his last week as Prime Minister. It is. Sure. I think you just mentioned he's down in Dorset. He's on a today. victory lap around the country, yeah. yes. I mean, G- gigabit broadband. You might as well give him a torch. Also, if he's in Dorset going on about how great the broadband is, I've been to Dorset. It isn't any good and neither is the, and neither is the 3G. I used to go to Corfe Castle quite a lot and you, had, you used to have to walk to the top of the high street and hold your phone aloft <laughs> literally to send an email. That's, I mean, a, that's how bad that's it was. That's a sight for sore eyes. It really was. Um, but so the question I put to people yesterday, what will what will you remember Boris Johnson for? What will your memory of well, him obviously, be? I mean, well, if, if, if any prime minister only gets one one line in history, mm. and his his line will be will be Brexit. Yeah. But I mean, what I remember him for actually is is nearly dying of of, of coronavirus. Mm. I mean, I thought that was you know that was an astonishing moment yes. in, in in the See, history of this I'm country. I'm glad you said that because I thought that too when I went to bed that night. I was convinced I was going to wake up in the morning and the prime minister was going to be dead. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was that serious, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And and at the and at that time, I think there was a sort of there was, there was a huge sort of national feeling of mm. sympathy for for him and his family. Yeah, um, and which, also I think it might have been the moment where people went, "Crikey, this is really quite a serious yeah. problem." Yeah, that's you know? right. Because suddenly there was somebody in the public eye who was very very ill. Yes, and it should have given him a huge. Um, huge authority to 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 deal with the crisis and you know broadly speaking i think he he probably dealt with the crisis as as badly as any other politician could have done mm. um but he managed to he managed to emerge without much credit for it and mm. i think that's uh, that sort of suggests how unsuccessful he was as a yeah. politician and interestingly i mean even and perhaps more surprisingly was that he still had this kind of cavalier attitude to it because we yes. told that you know when after he came back out of hospital and they tried to, to, to isolate people from him and they tried to make sure that he didn't run into too many people while he was travelling from the flat to the office and he kept just busting through gates and doors that he wasn't supposed to go <laughs> That's through because right. he didn't care yeah. and you would have thought I mean if it had been me or you in that situation, you might have gone. Well, maybe I better be a bit careful. Yes, yeah, so there was that um, that aide who 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 revealed that they'd actually set up a yeah. sort of they had had sort set of, up a barrier sort of, to sort of of chic, chairs chic to, thing, to stop you know? him stop yeah. him coming out of his office and talking to people mm. when he was supposed to be isolated. Yeah. Um, but I mean that, that was that's absolutely typical of Boris. I mean he th- he thought that because he'd had it. He was immune, and mm. um, uh, you know the same mistake that uh, Professor uh, Neil Ferguson made yeah. um, with his private life. I mean, mm. he he thought because he'd had it, he couldn't catch it again. Yes, uh, which which was I think sort of true in the early stages, but wasn't later no. on. No, well, I mean, Joe Biden keeps catching it, even though he wears <laughs> yes. every time he catches it, he wears an extra mask, catches it again, <laughs> and you do wonder. Um, but so, I mean, are we entering a new era of, of political um, sort of history, if you like? Because the, the Tory Party has been criticised by me, amongst others, uh, for not being very conservative in the past sort of two years. If Liz Truss 
does win as we expect it to will it suddenly go back to its roots do you think uh, no I, well I don't I don't think don't think so at all I think that would be utterly disastrous if she actually means all that stuff she said about uh, tax cuts rather than handouts hmm. then um, the, you know the, the next election is definitely a write-off but surely but she, she has to, she <laughs> has to provide help she has to provide a huge amount of help she has to, the state has to intervene this is a big statist moment hmm. again. Um, and the idea that you can go back to some sort of conservative values of, of 1950s yeah. uh, well, is just not, it's I don't just know not that possible. I, I'm not sure that that's what I was saying. I don't mean conservative values of the 1950s, but I mean conservative values, i.e. taxing people less, letting them spend you more of You can't tax people hang, less well, you if can. you've got a crisis of this magnitude. Well, yeah, except that the tax that they've been collecting for the best part of the last two years doesn't seem to have done anything. No. It hasn't propped up the NHS, which is in a worse state than it's ever been. It hasn't propped up the civil servants um, who are, you know, indolent as far as I can see, most of them don't even want to come to work anymore. The only good news about the energy prices going up uh, is that all these work-from-home bozos will have to come into work to cook their uh, you know, spaghetti bolognese in the microwave because they won't be able to afford to do it at home. <laughs> or worse to that effect. Won't, we, won't, we won't go there, but I mean, the simple, the, the sim- the simple fact is she's, she's, she's just going to have to borrow shed loads of money yet again. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be the third but, but, time but, but that's what the they all state do. is going you know, to have to do this. You know, well, point to me the last government that didn't borrow shed loads of money. Uh, the Gordon Brown's government. I Are mean, you joking? What about the no, before, but when Gordon Brown was Chancellor of the Exchequer under Tony Blair, yeah. uh, he actually um, had a budget surplus. Uh, that was the last time we had a budget, yeah. budget surplus. And that, so and so if, you, if, you want budget sound, if you want sound, sound government finances, then you have to vote Labour. Uh, it's very simple. I don't think so, because Keir Starmer doesn't even know what a woman is, never mind sound government finances. So, you, you know, he's a very I different... I don't think you can fish. read across from, yes, from the two. People do. The, point, the reason why Keir Starmer is so boring and dull and unelectable is because he is uh, unachievably... Boring. Well, and, but at this rate, Mike, he's going, to win the, he's going to win the next election oh, well, because is, he's got a plan to deal with the energy crisis, and the, and the government hasn't. His plan may be completely unaffordable, but his plan is, uh, but it is very untried. straightforward. It's simple to understand, and it can outbid anything that uh, I don't this agree. trust can come up with. I don't agree. Don't forget, Labour have lost Scotland, right? They're never getting it back. They've lost the north of England. They're never getting it back. Not because well, of, no, hang on, the not, north not, of England they can get back. No, they yes, can't. Yes, no, they can. because they didn't lose it because they were fiscally irresponsible. They lost it because of the cultural wars that have been going on in this country and people that live in the north of England are not interested uh, in trans debates, they're not interested in Keir Starmer I, talking about whether women have penises or not, they don't care about any of I that I don't think any of that is going to matter at the next it, election No, well it will because he is still tarred with that particular brush and yeah. he doesn't have anybody in his front bench who's any good and that's why nobody's going to vote for them, I, mark my words in two years time Labour will still not be in government. I look forward to our conversation then. We can have a bet if you like um, I normally win my bets, I'm still waiting for Aaron to pay me for, uh, for, for Macron not winning the, uh, the French presidential election. He owes me 25 quid. He hasn't paid up. He thought Marine Le Pen was going to win. And I said, no chance. <laughs> so I'll put this to you now. Labour will not get into power. With, as long as Keir Starmer's in charge, if they find somebody else, maybe, but not with him. I, th- I think uh, it's very likely. That, uh, well, I, th- I think, uh, who who knows? It's two years away. But I think the chances are that, uh, that Keir Starmer will be, Give it prime, to minister, will Rainer. be prime minister. Give it to Angela Rayner and you might election. have a different conversation. Yeah, she, I think Angela Rayner is a very, she a could very beat, interesting she politician. She could beat a few Tories up, but she could win. But Starmer won't. Well, we frightened of his own shadow. I shall be. We should, we should be back to discuss that. And we our, will. Our fifty p bet. We will. Uh, all money's to charity, of course, of your choice. Anyway, uh, enjoy the cycle ride back to oblivion. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Uh, John Rental from the Independent. What do you think? Do you agree with him? Labour are bound to win the next election. Do you think so? I really don't. 0344 499 1000. Let's get some news. On your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV with you all the way through until one o'clock, of course. Lots going on between now and then. We're going to take loads of your calls. Mike, we are now in the new COVID financial crisis, says Robin. It's all made up, Mike, because Boris has caused it by flooding in more immigrants and supporting a war with sanctions which has destroyed our lives. Well, I don't think... That's entirely true, but we will be talking a bit about the illegal migrants coming up because it turns out uh, that there's been a new contract offered out uh, by the government, two and a half million quids worth to a company based in the Isle of Wight who basically ferry immigrants in on their own boats. They go out in their three boats that they've got. They can get about 100 migrants on them. Uh, They offload the dinghies, put them on their boats, and then they bring them into Dover. So effectively, that's the government bringing illegal migrants into the country. Now, Knowing what we now know, that 40% of those people are likely to be Albanians, many of those people are likely to be uh, criminals because the Albanian authorities are now coming to Dover to check their criminal records. What does that exactly tell you? 0344 499 1000. Tony in Barrow says, Mike, Grant Shapps wants to rebuild Ukraine transport roads, rail airports, vehicles, plants to rebuild rail carriages. You can't even repair the UK pothole roads apart from the cycle loads. Well, it's true. He went and gave them 54 million the other day. I was like, what about us? Can we have some of your money, please, if you don't mind? And if he's down in Dorset telling people how great the broadband is, good luck with that. He probably won't even be able to get a signal. Let's talk instead about Meghan Markle. We said we would. We have to. Duncan Larkin is here, former royal editor, of course, author of Prince Harry, The Inside Story. Duncan, it seems like only yesterday I saw you. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Yeah, I noticed we're both wearing the same clothes as last night, darling. Um, actually, not true. Absolute <laughs> no, slur on my. That's a slur on my character. We were on. For those of you who didn't see it, we were on with Jeremy Kyle uh, on the uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored show, talking, of course, about Princess Diana. Um, but this morning, all the papers mm. are re- absolutely literally full, and people have said to me, you know, it is the 25th anniversary of Princess Diana's death. Meghan Markle sort of somehow managed to kibosh that, push it out of the way, and do this massive interview with an American magazine which is even for her sort of laughably deluded, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is an insight into the world of Meghan Markle. And, and yeah, even trying to be very subjective, trying to be, you know, let's see what she's got to say. Let's listen to her. It still is evident that she comes from a different planet Mm. from the rest of us. I mean, she sees herself quite clearly as more important than the Queen and the royal family. And, And I'm not saying she's not important. But her claims that she's a victim of it. Mike, there were some actual more worrying aspects of this 6,000-word piece in uh, The Cut magazine that's been published. More worrying is that Meghan was actually described by this so-called journalist that wrote it as a princess, Mm. I think at least three times. She's not a princess. And so it, it really worries me that people are accepting that Megan is right and everyone else is wrong um, if they get access to her as a journalist and they have to yeah. kind of cope. If someone's critical, they won't get in the door no. of that lovely big Montecito mansion. No, this is the old sort of Vanity Fair style hagiography journalism, isn't it? Where, you know, the big studios only let you interview the big stars as long as they could vet the copy, know what the questions were going to be. I mean, there's one section in it and I have to say I couldn't read through the whole thing Uh, because it was just sort of vomit-inducing for me. Um, But where she says, um, at one point, Megan's kind of making little noises, and she then tells me how I should record that and how I should write down, at this point, Megan is making some gurgling sounds, you know, as if she's dictating what you should write about her. And then, laughably, probably the most ridiculous thing, um, that she claims she was told by some cast member of The Lion King that her wedding was like the Nelson Mandela freedom moment. I mean, really? 
Really? I, 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 I don't, I mean, I don't know what to say. Look, I, I, I'm here speaking to you as somebody that worked as a royal journalist. You know, we take criticisms. There was lots of criticisms yet again from Megan in there. But but it does, it, it, it's just quite frightening to have such an insert insight into her off the back of let's not forget her first long-awaited podcast yes which is supposed to be paid 18 million pounds for episode one the week of the 25th anniversary of diana's death it, it's beginning to look really rather obvious yeah this is all about megan mm. it really is and some of the poses um the other thing that got me was the description of how they managed to find their dream house a 14 and a half million dollar um you know uh, mansion for want of a better word uh, lovingly described by the writer of the piece as a cross between um a sort of beverly hills um boho club and some kind of you know uh, in, i don't know arizona um uh, ranch. You know, ranch or something just just yeah. horrendous and then she goes you know but we we couldn't afford it until we had real jobs i mean mm. does she realize that people are not able to actually turn the heating on no precisely look at the context i mean my goodness and and then when she sat in that incredible montecito mansion what's the first thing she starts to do is to play the victim and talk about how she was um, forced to go there, forced to sell all the family silver and use the royal brand to line her own nest. But what really worried me, Mike, was the cameo role from Harry, because that's now the fourth time that when Meghan's been doing an interview or something television-wise, yeah. Prince Harry's just happened to, oh, oh, sorry, just popped in, did it with Serena Mil uh, Williams, yeah. did it, if you remember, when Meghan la launched her 4040 charity. Mm. He was juggling at the window. Yes. I mean, come on, Harry. Where's your self-respect, man? I know. You know he's I just know. turning into but a he just zombie. Does, he just does what he's told now, doesn't he? I mean, you can see it in his it, face. It looks like it. It looks like it, yeah. But, you know, who knows? Meghan's coming to England, so uh, next week or so is going to be very interesting to see what more she can say. Now she's back in that cauldron right. they tried so hard to escape. And the big story, of course, on the front of the Sun this morning, the one about the father, you know, he's lost his father. Almost immediately yeah. that line came out. Uh, old mm -hmm. Omid Scobie, you know, that man on the inside who apparently is her best friend in the, in the media, uh, says that's not what she meant. It, it, it's like a lot of things, a lot of parts of the Oprah stuff. It, it, it's comment, but it doesn't. it's not clear what she actually means. Is she saying Harry said to her he lost his father? In which case, a journalist worth any salt would presumably, Mike, ask it. And, and, and what, what do you mean by that, Megan? Mm. Do, you, do you mean, well, what did Harry mean by that comment? There's no follow-up. So no. it just hangs in the air. Like, And there's also a reference in there by the writer which is worrying, that it is a, a given that the royal family has racist elements. But that isn't a given. No. That is a claim that Meghan has made, and it has not no. been substantiated with a shred of evidence. But Meghan has also said, uh, post the Oprah interview, that some of the things she said were her feelings rather than the facts. So she has also admitted already uh, that yes. she's been rather, shall we say, getting the embroidery needle out uh, to rewrite history. The other thing is the picture that they've used on the uh, cover of the magazine. She's wearing a very similar outfit to one Diana wore. And that was pointed out by quite a few people, you know, the black sort of turtleneck, mm. slightly different earrings, but a very similar look. Well, I mean, Harry and Meghan have talked about carrying on Diana's legacy um, and that being what motivates them. But, but, but she is really scathing as well of, of the British royal family, which is odd when you think that 
in a week's time, she's going to be in Manchester. Hmm. You know, wh- wh- why suddenly stir up a hornet's nest when you're coming over to England? Why not just quietly arrive, do what you've got to do, and return to California? No, this is an attempt by Meghan to start a new offensive in the war she has had with Harry against the royal family. This is round two. Here we come. And there are 10 more of her podcasts to come. And it looks, if anything, of the first ones to go by, there's only one subject for discussion, and that is Megan. Yes. Well, with a bit of luck, it would take 10 years to get 10 out of it because it's taken about two years to get the first one. So we shall see. Well, Duncan, listen, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Duncan Larkham there, former royal editor, author of Prince Harry, The Inside Story. I mean, it just is ridiculous. I know that there will be those of you listening going, please don't talk about her. It just goes on and on and on. But it is dreadful, isn't it? I mean, how about this, right? I'll give you a quick burst of uh, the five most cringy quotes from The Sun. Um, They bought their Montecito mansion after spotting two palm trees together. Harry said, my love, it's us. When Archie goes past them, he says, hi, mama. Hi, papa. <sighs> Megan referred to her and Harry's business as a startup. It's a startup business. Despite the fact that uh, they've got multi-million deals with Netflix and Spotify. It's not a bad startup, is it? And then, of course, they refer to themselves as salt and pepper because they always move together. Salt and pepper don't move. You move them. You pick them up, you put them on the food, you put them back. They don't move. If you've got salt and pepper that move, I think you better change the uh, the drugs you're on, for heaven's sake. Anyway, that's Meghan Markle for you. I don't really want to say any more. Uh, I just wish she'd go away and just stop interviewing. Just stop telling people about how her struggle has been so awful. And presumably, whoever it was in the line, I've seen the Lion King uh, people out the back of the theatre smoking. I saw a bloke dressed as a giraffe once smoking in Marlborough. He was in The Lion King. Maybe it was him that said it was a Nelson Mandela moment. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we'll take some calls, get some common sense on the show. This is Talk TV. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide. By your side. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is very nearly the end of August. We're about to sashay into September, but I think for an awful lot of people, uh, it's not going to be a particularly pleasant time. We're here this morning. Millions of families are just 19 days from the breadline, and if they were to lose their jobs, they'd probably be less than three weeks away uh, from not being able to really afford to eat never mind heat their actual homes. Schools are warning that they may have to shut down because their electricity bills uh, and the cost of living crisis is going to be making it almost impossible for them to open their doors. Uh, we've also got, of course, uh, Liz Truss saying that she wants to drill more oil in the North Sea. John Rensel was here a little bit earlier on, uh, and he was being um, quite argumentative about what Liz Truss could do and what she couldn't do and what she should do and what she shouldn't do. Uh, obviously, in my mind, there are many things that the government must do in order to make this cost of living crisis prices go away and one of those things is to give people more of their own money back i.e cut the taxes so that people have more of their own money to spend in the way that they want it that is surely the conservative way and that is the way forward not handing out money to people who can't afford to live on the current cost of living uh, because things are so expensive because all you're then doing is subsidizing the big companies and the profiteers to make more profits and you're giving taxpayers money to people in order to fund it and that can't be right 
surely. 0344 499 1000. We've been talking about the Meghan Matrix, of course, as well. Uh, the world in which Meghan Markle lives, in which she is at the centre of it, and everybody else is simply... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A pawn in her little power game, including the royal family, including her own husband, including members of her own family. It is quite extraordinary what she's doing, quite extraordinary what she's done. And I make no apology for talking about her because she is, as uh, Penny said, our last caller, a dangerous woman, a woman who is trying to destabilise the royal family, trying to destabilise Britain in many ways. And of course, anyone who criticises her goes, oh, you're racist. You don't like her because she's not white. Absolute rubbish. You could not be more wrong. This is a woman who is, regardless of whatever colour she may or may not be, is of no consequence. It doesn't matter. She came into this country welcomed with open arms when she married Prince Harry. And she has singularly kiboshed that legacy in the same way that Boris Johnson has kiboshed his Tory legacy uh, by his actions, by his own hand. She has done the same thing. And Prince Harry ought to be ashamed of himself. But let's talk about London now and let's talk about crime because we talked about this very, very much last week in the wake of that awful shooting, the murder of little nine-year-old Olivia up in Liverpool. The focus became the drug gangs, right? Yesterday, Notting Hill Carnival was back in action. It was it was back in action because it was bank holiday weekend. It was on, you know, Sunday. It was on Monday. Uh, it was on Saturday as well. I actually drove past it last night on the way out to Ealing suddenly thought there's a very loud uh, music being played out of some car on the Westway, which is the A40 going out to Acton. Uh, and in fact, we were just driving past the Notting Hill Carnival. It was absolutely deafening. But, you know, people were having a good time at that point. A couple of hours later, there was a police um, order that was put out, a dispersal order, because there were so many people getting stabbed in and around the area of Ladbroke Grove, which is, as anyone who knows London, uh, a pretty famous part of West London. Let's talk now to Mike Neville, former Scotland Yard Detective Chief Inspector, because there was one man stabbed to death. There were several stabbings that went on throughout the course of the evening, but he's now been named as Takeo Nembard, 21 years of age, a rapper from Bristol. There are some terrible videos out there. Mike Neville, uh, very good morning to you. 
terrible videos out there which you may have seen. We can't even show them. They're that graphic. But the, one of them in particular shows a man lying on the ground surrounded by police. And the amount of blood on the ground is horrific. It's just absolutely awful. But we've also seen, you know, episodes of lawlessness, you know. I mean, I've, have we reached a point where you just can't have the Notting Hill Carnival anymore, do you think? It was a, it, the trouble with the Notting Hill Carnival, if you look at the last 20 events, there's been four murders, and, and every year there's multiple uh, stabbings. Mm. And uh, it can't carry on like this. The police themselves have said that, you know, it's likely to be sort of a Hillsborough-style disaster with a crush. You know, you've got people in residential streets. You, you, some of the videos, you just see the police be, being crushed. And yeah. then, you know, nine out of ten residents don't want to stay there. People are using their basements as toilet areas. It's disgusting. And, and, of course, any attempt to change it is just met with the old accusation of racism. But something needs to be changed. If this was a football match attended by working-class lads and there have been that many murders and there was this amount of uh, disorder, this amount of cost, because, of course, every officer's on double-time money because it's a bank holiday, the football match would have been stopped years ago. And if anybody thinks I'm talking nonsense, and I suggest that they get uh, five friends together, wear Millwall T-shirts, jump up and down on the top of a bus stop till it destroys it, and then see what the police do, because the police reaction would be somewhat different at the at the den rather than it would at uh, Notting Hill. And that is and the I problem, isn't it? And that is the problem, because really the police are already under the cosh. You know, they're in special measures in London, as they are in about six other forces around the country. They're frightened to do certain things, clearly. Um, the culture of the police still doesn't seem to have changed since the days of Crescent and Dick. Um, and they simply can't police this event, can they? It seems it's that simple. I don't think any police force could do it. You know, the Met do. There is some good work nowadays. There's a lot of work done beforehand where they're uh, getting rid of gang members. I know my own my old super recognizer team are, you know, deployed and spotting gang members. So there's and there's knife arches. There's all sorts of of work done to try and stop the trouble there. But I think the time has come. If it's going to happen or happen at all, it mm. should be held in somewhere like Hyde Park where the access can be controlled. But the level of violence there, and how many how many stabbings aren't reported? This mm. is what you got to do. And then what you got to imagine Notting Hill, the criteria for being arrested is is very high. You've got to be very bad. Mm. So anybody who went to a football match and was twerking against a female police officer amounting to sexual assault, smoking drugs um, openly, or, or doing whatever, would be immediately arrested at a football match. But at Notting Hill, things are just left to slide until it gets uh, really, really bad. Yeah. And of course who go there think they can get away with things yeah. and a lot of people who are stabbed will just go away I mean as a detective sergeant at Brixton I remember a guy going into a, a chemist shop and saying have you got anything for being stabbed <laughs> you know it's ridiculous you know it's just mad yeah and so something has got to change and people have got to be honest about it and they can't keep throwing the accusation that trying to change this trying to stop this level of violence is in any way racist because all the police are trying to do is keep everybody safe and in that environment that crushed environment they can't keep people safe no exactly right but there were some other incidents over the weekend that i wanted to raise with you as well mike and these were at two um sort of festival events if you like one in leeds one in reading my own son actually went to reading uh, managed not to come back with the tent it now turns out that the tent was amongst many tents that were torched because late on sunday uh, once everything had more or less come to an end, there was kind of mass mob violence where people were taking uh, you know, torches to, to tents, they were burning chairs, they were fighting amongst themselves. They had to send, I think, uh, armed police, riot police into both events to break them up. So there's, there's obviously a sort of a youth problem here as well, isn't there? 
I just think there's an overall view that the police have somehow lost control, yeah. that the criminals can do what they want. Uh, people, The police, as I've said time and time again on your show, they've lost focus on what their job is to prevent and detect crime. Mm. And people, they get this in their heads. So if you're of a violent nature or a criminal, you, you, you think, well, I can do what I want to. You know, I can, I can shoplift, I can wreck things, I can smash things up. And the chances of me getting away with this are, are, are very high because the police are only solving 95% of crime. They're obsessed with uh, diversity or whatever else they want to be obsessed with. It's time that the police got to be obsessed with catching criminals. Yeah. That needs to be their obsession. And the criminals then get to know that. And they think, if I do stupid things, if I do violent or wicked things, the police will get me. Mm. But at the moment, they, they, they think, no, they won't get me at all. And they're not really interested in catching me. No. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? The number of arrests that they've made up in Liverpool uh, under the auspices of this murder investigation uh, into the killing of little Olivia. Um, the one guy that they have found uh, to be involved in that incident, and I think he was the, the, the intended target, has been sent back to prison. He shouldn't really have been out by the looks of things. But clearly we've got this revolving justice door as well where people get sent to prison and then within months probably they're let out again. Well, it's the ongoing dishonesty, isn't it? Or the, the, the headlines screech out that somebody's been sentenced to 10 years in prison. Well, that really means with the remissioners that they'll, get, that they'll come out in five years. And even for the most violent crimes. And for about the last 50 or 60 years, we've had all these experts telling us that the more soft we are on criminals, that the better it will all become. Mm. Well, that's obviously rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the public see it's rubbish. And they can see through the, you know, the emperor's new clothes. It hasn't worked. And we've allegedly, as you, have you said about before, we haven't got a conservative government no. if we had a conservative government they would get a grip of these things they'd get a grip of the courts they'd get a grip of the police and they would make and they'd get a grip of immigration but they do none of these mm. things they just let it go on and I, I really you know when I was in the police there's, you know I remember the British Legion motto is service before self and somehow we've lost that and I dedicated myself to helping people who were vulnerable, who were frightened. The job was to make sure that vulnerable people can just go out and they can enjoy themselves on the street and in particular in their own homes. Mm. But now we've seen you can be murdered in your own home if you're a child, you can be stabbed to death outside a tube station, and the criminals are taking control and the government have got to get a grip, yeah. but they're well, not. Even Tyson Fury last week uh, spoke out about his own cousin who was knifed to death outside a bar in Manchester. And he said, you know, you can't walk down the street in this country and the police are here to make the streets safe for the people of this country. They're not just here to arrest criminals or go and talk to people they think of being a bit, um, you know, oppressive and nasty to somebody else. They are here to make the streets safer. And I just don't understand why... They don't see that as their premier task. Well, because they've become obsessed. The people at the top of the police are obsessed. They're obsessed. They're real. Because one of it sums up to me, a chief superintendent, and you spoke to a county's uh, assistant chief constable, and he said, I'm really concerned about uh, these burglaries that we're getting, the violent. I'm losing sleep over it. He said to her, Mom, what do you lose, lose sleep over? And she said, the lack of female BAME officers. Mm. And if that, that story sums up the police entirely. The focus of the senior officers, they're too worried about identity politics. And I'll say it and I'll say it again. No one ever complains about the colour or sexuality of a police officer who turns up to help them. But they do complain when the police don't turn up. 
They give them a shoddy service. They're left as victims of crime without any answers. We need to get a grip. The government could solve a lot of this straight away. Scrap all the uh, diversity targets, mm. just let the police recruit who is the best. That is the conservative way, I would suggest. They need to Then they need to be refocused on crime and given targets. They need to use technology mm. properly. In London, there's millions of CCTV cameras, yet they solve about a 1,000 crimes a year using CCTV. Mm. It simply isn't good enough. All this technology, the police work in an environment where they're using, you know, Windows XP and things like that. It's beyond a joke, yeah. and the criminals are laughing at them at every level. I'm sure they are. One final question, Mike. I've been asking everyone this week this question. How will you remember Boris Johnson? This is his last week as Prime Minister. What, what will he be memorable for you about? Utter disappointment. I thought the man was a sort of jolly character who would uh, drive us on with leadership. He turns out to be a hypocritical scoundrel who's led by the nose by his wife. It's just terrible. Net zero crime out of control, immigration out of control, lies, hypocrisy. The man who made my six-year-old daughter's birthday party a criminal offence and then had parties himself. Utterly disgusting. Good riddance, goodbye. Thank you very much indeed. You can't say further than that. Mike Neville there, uh, talking as it is, telling it like it is, uh, not holding back. That's what we do here at Talk TV. That's what we like. You might not agree with it, but this is where you get to say it. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your mobile, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got plenty going on. We're going to be filming Plank of the Week coming out a little bit later on, of course. Kevin O'Sullivan will be back in town. He'll be back this weekend, of course, as well. And uh, we've got uh, Dr. Renee Hunderkamp coming in for the first time. So we'll get her plankery uh, going on. I bet she'll have something to say about the NHS because we've got something to say about the NHS coming up uh, in a little while as well. Uh, let's face it, things are not going well. But at least uh, the new Secretary of State for Health, who probably isn't going to be around for very long, Stephen Barclay, uh, he's come out and actually said that what he wants to see uh, is the NHS making better use of their money. And I'm so glad that finally somebody with a brain is actually in charge of the health service because they've got plenty of money. And these constant refrains that, oh, what we need is more money. Absolute rubbish. What they need is to manage the money better because if they get rid of all the consultants they've got, he wants to see them reduced by about 80%. They will save a fortune. And what better method than to put that money into frontline nursing, into frontline medical care, as opposed to having a load of people running around with clipboards telling you uh, that you haven't hit your target. That's not where the money should be going. The money should be going to the front line so that people can be dealt with in A&E, that people can see doctors, they can get their cancer screenings done, all of those things that the people need. That's what the NHS needs to be spending its money on. Talking of money, of course, uh, we're now going to talk to our good friend Jasmine Bertels, personal finance expert, of course, as well, because... People are now up against it. I mean, everybody I talk to, and it doesn't matter how much money they've got, they're all saying, I don't know how we're going to cope. I really don't know what we're going to manage to do. Some people saying to me, I can do without heating, but I can't do without electricity. I can't do without gas for cooking. So Jasmine is very good at coming up with ideas as to what you can do to keep the wolf from the door. Jasmine, a very good morning to you. And you. Hi, Mike. Hi, nice to see you. I don't think you've probably been busier in your entire career, have you, for the about the past six months? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I am genuinely constantly being emailed and phoned by by all sorts, particularly with my Daily Mail column. You know, yes. I get sorts of questions and moneymagpie.com. I get all sorts of questions. And then, you know, I've got lovely people like you getting me on, on the programme going, what? what? What are we going to do? Should, what should we do? Well, tell me, um, it, because I'd be interested to know, what sorts of mm -hmm. questions are you getting at the moment from people? Because obviously it might have changed slightly since this new horror story came out uh, the other day about how much energy prices are going to cost. People are actually seeing in black and white what they're going to be charged. 
Yes. Well, one of the things, uh, for example, um, last week or the week before, I, I put something in my Daily Mail column about the, the various hardship grants mm. that, that are on offer. Um, so quite a lot of the um, power companies, um, particularly, you know, British Gas, E.ON, Scottish Power, whatever, they have hardship grants. So actual cash money that they can give to you to take off your bills um, up to a certain amount. They all give up to a certain amount. So I've had quite a lot of um, emails and, and letters about that say how do I get it where do I get it? and they you know some of them said they told me that there aren't hardship grants but I know that there are mm. um, and they, they do make you go through quite a lot of hoops to be fair you know because they're they're trying to give it to the people who are on the bread line um, so you do have to prove that you're you know with a debt advice agency or, or you're, you're on benefits that type of thing to get these so that is one of the things that I'm, I'm getting but generally speaking um, we are I mean, just talking to people in the street, talking to friends, talking to neighbours, the, there is a, a, a genuine concern, a fear that they're not going to get through the winter. Mm. Oh, totally. Because it's all very well for, you know, commentators and even some politicians to say, oh, just wear an extra jumper, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true to say that we probably are slightly more mollycoddled as a society than we used to be. I mean, I remember my father, uh, who was very Scottish when I was growing up, he didn't have central heating, didn't want to have central heating, said it was bad for you. Um, mm-hmm. So our house was quite quite chilly and there were yeah. times when I was a kid I used to go to bed with a hat on uh, yeah. you know and that wouldn't be the end of the world if I had to do it again but you know I'm not sure people nowadays are ready for that kind of Spartan like uh, behavior but but for many of them it's it's more complicated than that because it's about cooking uh, food it's about having gas cookers and about having gas boilers and for hot water well, we you must have hot water you might be able to have a cold house but you yeah. need hot water don't you is there any way to kind of mitigate how expensive it's going to be just by the way that you use the, the, the facilities. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, as you say, a, a lot of what people like me are saying do come across as just, you know, simplistic, because quite often it is the, the simple hacks, the wearing a hat, wearing more clothes, putting the, the heating down, etc. that actually does work. But when it comes to the boiler, one thing that I have learned, and I've, there's a lot I've learned recently, I, I tell you, is that um, the many boilers, when they're installed, they're, they're kept at, if you like, factory settings, mm. actually quite high flow temperature. Now, I'd never, I hadn't even heard of flow temperature until I spoke to a boiler friend mm. recently. And he said, you know, that my flow temperature had been set really at quite high, which is the norm for a lot of, of uh, plumbers. So he said, put it down to about 55 degrees, 65 degrees. So that that's what goes around your your actual um, radiators. And then there is the the water temperature. And again, he said, if you're the sort of person who, who puts, you know, fills a bath or, or you, you're filling your your um, sink and with hot water and then you add in cold water. Well, that means that your hot water temperature is too it's high. too hot, yeah. Yeah, so that's one thing. And he said most people do that and you can bring it down by 10, 15, even 20 degrees. And it gets to the point where you don't have to put extra um, cold water in. And that's a good temperature. Mm. So those two things should save you 20, 30% on, on your gas bills. Yeah. It, it, it's a you know easy hack to do, but lots of people, including me, had no idea mm. that this was the case. That's interesting, and I keep hearing as well about standby um, sort of um, devices. You know, if you leave your TV on standby, you're still yeah. using up uh, some some electricity. If you leave your computer on standby, switch them off yeah. at the plugs. You know, actually switch mm-hmm. it off. 
Yes, absolutely. And and again, you know, this is one of the things, as you say, we've just got used to doing. We we we've been trained, if you like, to, to live in a lazy way. You don't switch things off, you just switch it off in the with the, the, the clicker. Um but yeah, if we switch it off at the wall, then that it depends how much you've got and what you've got plugged in, but that can save you, you know, a hundred quid or so over the year, or more now, uh, because of the price mm. of electricity going up so that's definitely something that's and it's an easy thing to do it's just a habit mm. that you have to get into and then another thing that i've been working on just recently of course is um solar powered stuff now i don't have i live in a flat we don't have solar panels up upstairs mm. my brother does he does very well with his but um you can get portable solar panels you know i've got friends who've got caravans and they they have a a, a solar panel battery pack um, that they take with them in their caravan mm. that's the sort of thing you know if you've got an outside space i've got i've got a uh, just a balcony you know if you've got a balcony patio garden you could actually put these this a solar panel out there and that creates um energy for a you you get it with a, a battery pack um there are there are a few places that you can get them from they cost a couple of hundred quid two three hundred quid for a power pack that is solar powered same with solar powered lights that those are worth getting and they do even work in the winter because you don't need actual sunlight you need daylight mm. to make the the solar panels work so that's another thing to consider particularly if we have power cuts which they're you know wafting in front yes. of us at the moment absolutely right one final question i don't want to make it too political but we're asking everybody this week um what you will remember about boris johnson this is his last week as prime minister what will be your kind of abiding memory of boris johnson well, two things. Um, obviously, you know the buffoon element that that he's he's always been. I, I think he did um, the, the buffoon element worked very well when he was mayor of London. Didn't work so well when he was uh, prime minister. The other thing, though, was there's it, it feels like the invasion of the body snatchers with him. Frankly, um, uh, as soon as COVID hit, he seemed to to do a whole 180 degrees turn. He's he stopped being a libertarian. Um, you know, relatively sensible view of life mm. to um, just becoming an authoritarian and you all have to do this, which I don't think is is really him. So, yeah, that's what I remember. OK, brilliant stuff. Jasmine, great advice. Thank you very much indeed. As ever, we'll talk to you again soon. Personal finance expert and catch her uh, column in the Daily Mail as well. Uh, we'll give you more tips with each day that passes as we get further and further into uh, the difficult months of winter, because, of course, you need to save a few quid here, there and everywhere. We'll tell you how to do it. This Talk TV. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk. Mike Graham, the only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate, the independent republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the one place where you find the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. In this hour, we're going to be talking to Martin Gower, who is, of course, a former NHS Trust Chair. We're going to talk to him about today's problems with the NHS. And let me tell you, uh, almost every day that we cover the NHS, there is a new story and a new problem which comes up and a new uh, solution, which is suggested either by me uh, or by you. The Times today has got a story that says 10 million people are now on what are called hidden NHS waiting lists. 
because, of course, we know, for example, that 6.7 million patients are on the official NHS waiting list, which is bad enough. This is a further 10 million, right? Because these people uh, have already been seen once, but they're now waiting for either a follow-up uh, or a further uh, uh, exam uh, or a further procedure that they are still then on another waiting list for. These are things uh, released under Freedom of Information laws, suggesting that patients who need follow-up care uh, and all sorts of operations resulting from the first time they were seen are now not actually officially being counted by the NHS in England because it would be too horrendous because what that would do would be to push the figure of numbers of people waiting for procedures in the NHS to around 17 million. We've also learned today that around one and a half million patients have actually lost access to their GP surgery because the GP surgery have simply closed down. And it seems that every single day there's a crisis of one kind or another, whether it's ambulance waiting times, whether it is cancer recovery rates, whether it is cancer detection rates, whether it is referrals to specialists. I mean, everything, and I've said this many times on this show, to do with the NHS seems to be failing. The one thing that is going well is at least the government's new approach to try and actually free up some money uh, because what you've got uh, is Stephen Barclay, the Secretary of State for Health, today telling the NHS that he needs to see a cut in the number of consultants that they're hiring, uh, and that means like management consultants as well, by about 80%, which would free up some money properly for frontline services. And that's what everybody wants, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. On the subject of saving money, uh, we spoke to Jasmine Bertels in the last hour and uh, Refined Phil has said this, Jasmine made such a good point. Why always have water so hot you need to add cold water to it? I'd never thought of that before. I would actually reduce my water temperature if I knew how. Well, maybe you find out how to do it uh, from a friendly plumber. Be careful doing things to boilers that you don't know about because you don't want to be uh, doing anything that might lead to something going wrong. So maybe call in a, a plumber and ask them to do it for you. Let's talk now though, to Martin Gower, former NHS Trust Chair. Uh, the latest figures on waiting lists, really quite staggering. Martin, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Nice to talk to you again. Nice to, t- nice to see you. Yeah, I mean... This business of the hidden waiting lists, I suppose, um, is not that surprising, but it's a massive number. It means that there's basically 17 million people in this country waiting for some kind of procedure on the NHS, whether it's the first time or the second time or a follow up or something like that or aftercare. You know, I mean, it's, I, I ask this question on a regular basis. Is there any part of the NHS that actually works? Um, it doesn't feel like it at the moment. No. Uh, because there are so many issues um, both about reporting, waiting lists, ambulance times and all the rest. It feels pretty bad. I think it is patchy. I mean, some some it's not true in every place in every area, but mm. it, it's really not great. No. And, and I, th- I think there are two things here, really. Um, I mean, wh- wh- one is that, uh, that the, the lady who said, you know, reduce the management, or that Steve Barclay, I think, has said that reduce the management consultancy yes. cost. Yes. I mean, they are ridiculous. But actually, I think if you look at the balance between clinical staff, people who actually deal with patients and sort of backroom staff, um, it is not acceptable. No. And if I were Steve Barclay, I'd say cut your costs in non-clinical areas, mm. non-patient pays by 5% a year every year for the next five years, you know, and free that money up to pay for more clinicians. Well, because that's, that's well, I mean, people say to me all the time, well, what, have you, what, what are your solutions? What would you do? And it's like, well, it's pretty obvious. You know, the money's being wasted here and there and there. 
And, you know, like sustainability, we all say, get rid of it. You don't need net zero coordinators in every single hospital in the land. If you really want to have a net zero, comp- you know, sort of dividend and you want to have people working in it, put them in the middle of the country, have five people do it. You don't need them in every hospital. Same with the diversity brigade, you know. Put them into some small department, if you wish, part of HR, but you don't need thousands of them. Mike, you definitely don't. And actually, I think, you know, I I passionately believe in equality and diversity, but that's about culture. Mm. Um, And and the lead comes from the the person who's leading individual trusts. And it's the, the atmosphere you generate in that place. It's not about having a lot of diversity czars. Uh, no. walking around the place and lecturing everyone. It doesn't. It isn't necessary to do that. It's not. He's also talked about Stephen Barclay as recruiting loads and loads of new nurses and things from places like India and Sri Lanka, which is all fine and yeah. dandy. But, you know, an awful lot of what this government are now saying they're going to do, they could have done before, but they just haven't. They should have done before. Um, and, and actually, the fact that we're needing to recruit uh, nurses from abroad and, and, and other, other clinicians... Um, is some indicator that the that the training programs for nurses in this country haven't been really succeeding. No. But, uh, I mean, I have to declare a bit of a, a declaration of interest there in the sense that I'm involved with recruiting nurses from, from India. Um, and and uh, there is an open door at the NHS to doing that, but I think it's something that is quite complex. It, it needs a simple process. It needs a process where the training is probably done in India rather than in, in, in the UK so that people can come from India ready to, to get onto wards and get into teams as quickly as they can. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Mike, everything that Steve Barkley is talking I don't disagree with anything he's talking about. He's talking about importing social care workers as mm. well. But the reality is it's all panic. It's all stuff to try and sort today's issues and does nothing really for the long-term solutions to the NHS. No, quite. Which needs radical reorganisation. Well, that's right. I mean, we found out yesterday, for example, that one in seven beds occupied in the NHS, in England certainly, uh, is occupied by somebody who shouldn't be there, somebody who should be being discharged into a care home, but because there isn't room for them or the care homes can't cope, they can't be moved. Now, that, it seems to me, is a pretty easy thing to solve, isn't it? Mike, it's worse than that. I mean... It's not just in um, discharging them to care homes. I mean, the place that is the best place for people to go is to their own home. Mm. But they will need support from what is known as domiciliary care. So somebody, a carer, comes in two or three times a day, sometimes more, um, and and they're looked after in their own home, which is the best place to be. Um, So they're not even managing to do that, where a patient could be discharged into their own home they're not able to do it because the care services available to them in their in that area in that street or wherever just aren't there yeah and uh it, it, it's it's not great it really isn't and whenever i talk to gps um they always tell me the same story the reason people are leaving gp surgeries and and or going part-time is because they're simply not e- easy places to work that they can't stand the uh, paperwork they can't stand the drudgery they can't see as many patients as they'd like to see for long enough. Um, and so as a result, we've now got one and a half million people who don't have a GP and can't get one. No, I mean, you, you just said that when you talk to GPs, I mean, I think there were quite a lot of people who would envy the fact that you even managed to talk to them. Um, but, you know, the, the GP situation is one that needed to be solved a long time ago. There was a need to, uh, I mean, in America, as you will know, they could refer to it as primary care. Yeah. Um, you go to your local primary care, and sometimes you might just see a nurse. Well, that's fine. Um, 
if, if it's something relatively minor, um, sometimes you might need referring to an acute hospital to have an operation. But actually, it's relatively easy to get, and that's the same in Europe. Mm. Um, so I think we've got a, there's a lot of work to do. There is work being done to open primary care hubs, but it's all a bit too late, and it's all been put on hold by COVID mm. and the fact the NHS moved to being... I mean, I, I was still chair in, in, uh, of a trust in June uh, of 2020, and, and the, the thing that was said all the time, COVID is the only game in town. Well, you know... Well, that was a mistake as well. That. Exactly right. Because also there are these kind of hurdles that seem to be put in the way of progress by the NHS. I was talking to a doctor the other day who said that uh, she had a colleague who ran a smear uh, clinic, a smear test clinic, um, and she was informed that basically they couldn't run the clinic that day because the certification for the person doing it, the doctor, had run out and there was no certification on file, even though it had been renewed. And because she couldn't get it to them, they had to cancel the clinic. So instead of being able to give a load of smear tests to a load of women, that didn't happen. And that's the yeah. kind of sort of boneheadedness, it seems to me, that's ruining the NHS. The NHS is also the largest um, buyer of fax machines, I believe, in the world. Mm. Um, do you remember them? I do. Um, and, and the technology, there's so many things. I mean, um, I don't know who is going to be the next Secretary of State. Um, Steve Barclay is the 33rd Secretary of State, I believe, since the NHS was founded in mm. 1948. Um, we, we've had the good and the bad over that period of time. Let's hope we get a good one when the new government, the new cabinet is announced. Um, but actually, that that whoever it is has got a, a very large entry. Yes. Um, and, and the prioritising of what is going to need to be needed to do to fix things short term. And it's not it cannot be just forever pouring more and more money at it. No, because that is absolutely definitely not the answer. Um, we've asked everybody this question this week so far, Martin. I'm going to ask it to you. Uh, Boris Johnson's outgoing this week, last week as prime minister. What will you remember about Boris Johnson's tenure? Do you know, Mike, great disappointment. I actually joined the Conservative Party soon after Boris was elected, after the uh, 2019. Mm. And um, I tell you that it's really disappointing that it, we knew the, we knew the mainstream media would be gunning for him from day one, which, of course, they were. But to actually, you know, load a gun with bullets and hand it to them by all the parties and all the rest... Mm. I'm afraid my view is that it's all been rather shambolic. Mm. I think it's been a bit disorganised in number 10. Um, I think Boris um, didn't really have a grip. In fairness, he did have COVID and he had it quite badly. Did he come back to work too soon? We were supposed to have a deputy prime minister who actually took over and ran things. Did that happen? I just feel that it was all a bit informal. Did all the papers get read? Uh, what was it sometimes all a bit of a laugh? Mm. Was it Boris entertaining everybody with some good jokes? I don't look, I may be wrong, but I feel really, really disappointed because I thought we were going to have, you know, a few years of of a government that would actually create change in the country and, and do positive things. Instead of that, I suppose the thing I'll remember him most for is the fact is COP twenty six and yeah. and you know, which really isn't gonna happen, is it? No. 
No, I mean, the only thing they decided in COP26 was to have COP27. I mean, that's about it. Well, that's right. Net uh, zero, I don't think it'll happen. No. I don't think there's any chance. No, I don't think it exists. I think it's like trying to sort of find the God particle in the Hadrian Collider. You know, they'll be looking for it for years, and when they do find it, they'll wonder why they bothered. But there we are. Martin, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Martin Gower, former NHS Trust Chair, with his uh, recollections of Boris Johnson. You can keep yours coming, of course, as well. 0344 499 We're going to talk to Jeremy Kyle coming up in this hour as well, and we'll take more of your calls. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.